I personally just want to say um, thank you for being with us this morning. Um, over the years of ministry, I've had a heart for this hour. I felt like if God would bring families, and um, that's the future of the church. And uh, so it's been neat over the years of ministry to watch God kind of rearrange this service and uh, who God has brought here. So I want to say thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to speak truth with you this morning. Um, I was at, uh, at a meeting on Thursday morning with some guys, and if you like, there's a, a group of us that pray a Thursday morning in the fellowship hall, uh, starting about 6.30. The guys kind of sit on one side and the ladies are on the other side. And It's been neat to kind of watch God work. One of the one of the ladies, her husband now comes to our Thursday morning Bible study, which is back here. He has not been uh, to that uh, before, and so now he's starting to show up. So we're seeing God answer some prayers uh, in, in that area of ministry, so excited about that. But one of the guys was sharing um, kind of a story. Uh, I had the uh, privilege to be um, in Indiana uh, last week with my niece graduated from um, uh, high school, and I didn't think mom was best suited to, to navigate Orlando International Airport. So I said to Mom and Terry, I said, do you mind if I just fly back with you and I'll be there for the graduation? Uh, not really thinking about what I was getting myself into um, in, in all of that. And so that's another, that's another three sermons uh, down the road. We'll work those out. But um, listening to this guy talk and then me being in church, um, First Missionary Church in Burn, Indiana, Last Sunday we were worshiping and and I just stopped singing and just started thinking about you know where I was as a kid in Indiana and um, and then how God moved me out of this little town of three thousand people one stop at that point I don't we didn't have a stoplight when I was a kid uh, there was not a McDonald's uh, there it was pretty much Amish and us uh, were there and. Um, that's the church I actually got saved in. Uh, Paul Patton scared me half to death, and I said, I'm not going to hell, so I'll do whatever he says. I'm getting saved today. So um, I actually didn't walk down that hallway. I probably should have walked down that hallway. Uh, I remember the hallway, and um, just thanking the Lord for what he's done in my life. And then uh, we got back and uh, listened to this guy talk on Thursday morning at prayer meeting, and then had the opportunity, uh, those of you who are aware of it, or if you had to come around the downtown there's a triathlon this morning and uh, so we went to uh, Costco on Friday and we were listening to a guy talk on Friday and um, and so he was talking about so basically I'm going to give you two sermons in one I was talking to Susan on Friday so I think I really need to change my sermon she says yeah but it's like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night on Friday when are you going to redo your sermon you know we're going to do some stuff tomorrow and uh, you're not really going to have time to redo your sermon I said, well so if you look at my notes, I do have some yellow. This is the redone part of the sermon. And then my white part of my me- of my pages are what I was thinking about sharing with you. But I just want to just say something to you this morning. As I was listening to this guy talk, he was talking about a, a community that he lives in. It's a very dangerous community. He's a pastor of a church in a very difficult part of the United States of America. And he was talking about emergen- EMTs, emergency. Emer- Emergency management technicians, guys that just go out, phone call, they're going into the tough parts of town to rescue lives. 
So he went on, and I was listening. He says, you know what's really sad right now? We expect people to come to church. We don't go rescue. And I was thinking about it. Wow. And it's almost like we can get into this age of complacency where, you know what, we just expect people to come on Wednesdays. We just expect people to show up on, I mean, obviously we're going to open the doors and the air conditioning is going to be on, and we just expect people to show up. And so he said this. He said, when was the last time you thought about yourself as a missionary? When was the last time you thought about yourself as a missionary? When was the last time you said to yourself, because of the training that you have in the Word of God and because of the years that you've had sitting in church, that you classify yourself as an evangelism management technician? Because that's really what we need to be. Can we take the Word of God in our advantage, you know, evangelism management training, can we take people to a passage of Scripture and say, listen, I can't answer all your life's questions. I can't make you whole again. I can't fix all your issues, but I know somebody that can. I'll just walk you through some passages of Scripture. I had a privilege to sit on Wednesday night and go through baptism class, and people were talking, you know, they want to get baptized, and that's so awesome. But as I sat with them, I said, wait a second, before we get baptized, do you know what the gospel is? Have you been trained to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can tell you about evangelism. I've been through some courses. I got some verses, not feelings, not emotions, not what church you go to, not where your parents live, not what, parent, what your parents do in church. You individually sitting here, and you take somebody to a passage of Scripture. We sang this morning, change my heart, O oh God. Which that's kind of nice to sing, but then it, the words say, "Mold me and make me." Now I'm I, I I'm not a design person whatsoever. I've never I think I have one thing I made in kindergarten, a little bowl thing that you know is my you know creativity of making a mold of something. You know what's interesting? You say to me, "Change my heart, oh God," but then you always going to do? He's going to put pressure on you and mold. He's going to challenge you in different areas of your life, and he's going to put sometimes a little nudge, sometimes a great big kick in the seat of the pants. Because he really does not, he's not going to, he's not going to change you unless he has the privilege to mold you. Change only comes through molding. Change only, most of the time, comes through fire. Change most of the time comes through pain. saying about being rescued and you didn't deserve it. And I didn't know this is what they were going to sing this morning. Does your overwhelming life change motivate you to share the gospel? Where would you be this morning if you didn't have Jesus? If I could hand you a cell phone right now and say, hey, listen, this cell phone can dial any cell phone anywhere around the world, and if you make a call, if you put in the number, I promise you that that individual will say yes to Jesus Christ. How many would take the phone call? How many would take the phone and have numbers that you want to call? Saying, this person needs rescue. This person needs the gospel. Give me the phone. And all along, that phone's in your hand. 
because of the overwhelming, compelling love that people have seen in your life because you've been radically changed. You can make the phone call. You can send the text message. You know what's fascinating is? You can have a crazy thing called an iPhone. And you can FaceTime somebody sitting right here, right now, anywhere in the world as long as they have an iPhone. Now that's just ridiculous. They can see you. They can hear you. But unless you're compelled by the overwhelming love of Christ in your own personal life, you will make the phone call. I know something. I know this morning that Jesus Christ is not the most important person in Highlands County. You say, how do you know that? How many churches are empty this morning? And there's something else that's really interesting to me. If Jesus Christ is not the most important person in Highlands County, that means that there are people in Highlands County that are turning to somebody else or something else for help for their lives. And not the one that from eternity past said, hey, I have a plan and I'm going to seek after you and I'm going to send my son and I want to reach into your world even though you're broken and even though you're hurting and I want to have a personal relationship with you choosing other things so this morning i know over these last weeks or months i've been asking you to go outside this foyer and put a a pin on the map one for where you live and the other one for where you work i didn't have i didn't ask you to do that for no reason i asked you to do that for this reason this morning because when you walk past that map i want you to see the opportunities for the gospel light in our community on that map because it's you And it's not me. It's you. You come into the realization that Christ actually did something amazing in your life, that you're not the same, that you've been bought with a price. And as I sat in Indiana, oh, I was a mess when I left Indiana. I really don't want to go back to Indiana. I don't want to see those people. Because they don't know who I am now. They know who I was. And it's awkward to walk up to them. And it's even more awkward to walk up them to with mom. Because then mom will say, well, yeah, well, he's the pastor. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, I don't want them to know all this stuff. Because they're thinking, there is no way this kid's a pastor. We knew him in high school. And the only way I'm here today is because of the cross. The overwhelming love of my Savior saying, you know what? I can help that guy. Now, I know that for me. I hope you know that for you. And I hope you just don't know it because you're, because you're here and you're sitting in a pew. Ask yourself this question. Where were you when you last time you had a gospel conversation with somebody? Where were we? And those things can happen anywhere, okay? And I'm I'm not asking you to give up your ice cream every night. I'm not asking you to give up if you watch Bonanza on Thursday afternoons or whatever, okay? I'm not asking you to turn into goody two-shoes. I'm just asking you to come to the realization that you're a missionary, that you are God's emergency 
management plan for our community. It's called evangelism. And we're going to go to a passage of Scripture in, in Matthew chapter 13. And it's not going to be really anything that you know that haven't heard, or it's not like a new message or a new revelation. But what's exciting about Matthew chapter 13 is that the creator of all says, you know what? I had a plan, and I had a mission, and I came into this world, and I demonstrated my power, and the church people weren't interested. But you know what? He didn't pack up and go home. He didn't get discouraged. He didn't quit. And so when you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 13, you're going to read across the top the soils. And you, you know about the soils, and you know about the things, but what you haven't really probably thought about as you got to Matthew chapter 13, Jesus changed his mode of operation. See, he was going about the people that were in the synagogues, and he was going to the Jewish people that should have been looking for this Messiah. Yeah, here he comes. His name is Jesus. Yep, we know Old Testament prophecy. He's going to heal people with leprosy. He's going to help blind people to be able to see again. He's going to raise the dead. That's our Messiah. There he is. Oh, it didn't matter if he was born in Bethlehem. Oh, but it mattered to them. Because those church people, well, <laughs> nothing really good comes from Bethlehem. After all, it's just the sheep capital. Come on. And, and our Messiah can't be born in a manger. I mean, come on. And the Savior of the world's not going to come from, <coughs> from Mary. And so he stepped into their world, and the ones that should have run to him and said, yes, you're our king, you're the Messiah. We know you because we see Old Testament truth. They had truth. They just didn't want this guy. So now, Jesus, as you, as you go through Matthew chapter 12 and you get to Matthew chapter 13, it gets so bad in Matthew chapter 12 that the, the same power that Jesus used to heal people they were saying, oh yeah, the Pharisees were saying, oh yeah, he's, he's healing in the power of Satan. And so they rejected him. They said, you know what, we don't want to have anything to do with you. We're not interested in you. So Jesus said, that's fine. So look at your Bible, Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him. Interesting. As you start Matthew chapter 13, he's not in a synagogue. It's interesting to me. He just goes out to the sea. And the great crowds come around him and he sits down. That's why God made boats. They're incredible. Sit in, go fishing, enjoy the outdoors. If you don't have one, you're missing out on life. And the great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them things in parable, saying. And now you're going to go into the soils that you're aware of and I'm, not, I'm, going, to run, I'm going to just let you see these uh, quick. So you got, let me go back here. So you got the soils. You got the one that's on the path. You got the rocky road, um, you got the thorns, and then you have the good soil. 
So those are that, if you read um, the next uh, eight verses, you'll see that. And I'm not going to talk about that yet. I'm going to come back at the end of this parable and I'll explain the, the, um, the seed or the sower parable to you. But I want you to pick it up in verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Why aren't you just giving them just flat out truth? Why aren't you just saying, hey, here's what you need to know. Here's truth. Here's truth. Here's truth. Why parables? Jesus' response to the disciples. The crowds are around him. The disciples come and ask the question, why do you speak to them in parables? And then he answered them, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. Who do you think the them are? I believe the them now are the church people of the day, the Jewish believers, the ones that are in the synagogues, the ones that should have been aware that he was the Messiah. Them, the ones that were standing around in the crowds, the ones who were in awe by all the miracles, but really didn't want him as a Savior. He's saying to them, I will speak in parables. To them, they're not going to understand the secrets. They're not going to understand this personal relationship with, that we have. They're not going to get that. You know why they're not going to get that? Because their hearts are hardened. Because they saw and they did not believe. And so now Jesus is going to say to them, read on a little bit farther. He says this. To the you, the secrets, now drop down to verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from those who have not, even what is, he has to be taken away. Look at verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parable, because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. And I won't. I won't do this for time this morning, but if you go down in that next, where your maybe your Bible is in kind of in italics, that is a reference to Isaiah, when Isaiah was a prophet to the nation of Judah. And when Isaiah was preaching to the nation of Judah, hey, this is truth. You know what nation, the nation of Israel is doing? They're living in rebellion. They didn't want truth. And so their rebellion, when, when Isaiah spoke, was drunkenness and debauchery and dishonesty and justice and hypocrisy and all those people as Isaiah would preach to them they would say you know what we don't want to hear it we want to keep living the way we want to live and so Christ now steps into their world and he says hold on a second I will enter into your world and I will say to you guess what disciples go back and look at the Old Testament we see that in Isaiah they spoke Isaiah spoke but they did not listen because their hearts were hardened now, go to verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Are you blessed this morning because you have a Bible? Are you blessed this morning because you can, you can read the Word of God? Yeah, you've got eyesight. You can see. Here's something that's going to be very interesting. Will you accept the Word of God this morning? 
See, so as you read, will you accept it? Or are you going to be like the ones in, that Jesus was speaking to in parables at the beginning of, of Matthew chapter 13? He changed his ministry because, you know what? Yes, he had power, but they were saying, you know what? You're healing now in the power of Satan. Okay, fine, I'll go somewhere else. Your hearts are closed. I'll go somewhere else. Is your heart open this morning? Now, here's what you probably all know of Matthew chapter 13. Pick it up in verse 18. Hear then the parables of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand that the evil comes and evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart, this is what is sown along the path. So you got this path, as he uses as a word picture. And I'm sorry that's a little bit blurry. But most of the time you're not going to go plant strawberries down that path. You're not just going to go throw seed on that path and expect it to grow. I want you to know something when you look at this passage of Scripture and when you think about the parable of the sower, uh, before I jump into this two feet, I want to say one thing. You are not responsible for growth. You're responsible to sow the seed. I love driving around last week with my mom and Terry and looking at the cornfields and soybean fields and hay fields and wheat fields and all the different stuff that's growing. And, you know, we had a saying as a kid, your cornfield, we'd walk through a cornfield. If your cornfield was knee-high by the 4th of July, that was a pretty good, you're look, you could get excited. You know what I found is interesting? As a boy, I watched farmers plant because I like tractors and I like combines. I like all those things. I like to watch them. But I never really thought about them sowing the seed in the ground, how much money they spent sowing that seed in the ground. You know, there's one thing that a farmer cannot do. He cannot make his crop, his crop. He cannot make his crop grow. So by faith, he hooks up the tractor, he hooks up the planter, and he goes out into the field. And you know what he's really hoping? That when he plants that seed in the field, you know what he really wants it to do? He wants the seed to die because then it's really going to grow. And he can't make it happen. But by faith, he hooks up the tractor. By faith, he goes down to the store. And by faith, he puts the seed in the back. And by faith, he drives down that, that row as straight as he can, plants it, and then he walks away and there's nothing he can do. So we are responsible to sow the seed. That's what I want you to know. You are not responsible to grow the seed. You cannot make it happen. So as you look at Matthew chapter 13, what is your responsibility? Sow the seed. And you're going to sow it on a lot of different soils. So this first soil that you pick it up and you see, and I pray that as you sow the seed that you're sowing the gospel. You're not sowing church concept or church membership or church partnership. You're, sow, you're sowing the gospel. And it can be defined in one little verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I pray that every single one of you sitting in this room believe that as true. That you can open up your Bible and say, you know what, I by faith say, yes, I believe this is true. I've accepted the free gift of salvation. Now, I realize there's going to be times when I sow seeds that I might sow it on a, on a, on a, on a path like this. I'm not responsible for what it happens to the seed. I'm responsible to sow the seed. So when I sow 
a seed on a path like that, most likely that person is unconcerned about God is resistant to spiritual things, but I'm still called to sow the seed. The next one you see in your Bible is the rocky ground. Go down to verse 20. As for what was sown on the rock, the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word of God and immediately rejoices in the joy. Okay, so you've got somebody, you know how you meet those people that just get saved and they're really, really excited about the gospel and they're a new convert? Okay, I'm not saying that this is true about every single one of them, but it's interesting that Jesus says this. As for you, so on the, the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of what? What's your Bible say there? On account of what? The word. This is interesting. On account of the world, immediately he falls away. So this rocky soul is one who hears the word of God, he falls in love with God right away, and then what happens? When the accountability of the word of God is placed in front of him, the cost of discipleship becomes too much, and they walk away. I want you to see that this persecution is not about the neighbors, not about cancer. It's about discipleship. It's about the individual who calls, had been called in account to the word, he immediately he falls away. And most likely, if you run into somebody that seed has been sowed on rocky ground, most likely you'll hear them say something like this. Really? You want me to forgive that person? You want me to repent? You want me to admit that I'm actually wrong? What's wrong with you? Thorns. The next soil. Verse 22. As for the what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfaithful. Sowing among somebody that the pathway where they're thorns, he's really saying this individual loves the world more than he loves the truth of Scripture. They love their possessions, they love their prestige, they love their position, and the gospel is choked out. John MacArthur put it this way, a professional believer who is unconcerned about sin in his life and does not hate evil and love righteousness gives strong evidence that the soul of his heart is weedy. He will eventually discover that his love for the world and its identification with, the, with Christ, word cannot coexist. If his faith is genuine, he will forsake the world. If it's not, his sin will choke out with the knowledge of the word he has. Thorns. The last soil. Talking to his disciples. Explaining what he told to the crowd. He says this, verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields 
in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. I want you to see real clear this. Go back to the beginning of verse twenty three. As for the one as for what is sown on good soul, this is the one who hears the word, so you've all heard the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit. Their life is not the same. So I'm not going to play any music. I'm not going to make some big emotional plea. Do you see the gospel being changing your life? Do you see anywhere in your life that the gospel bears fruit in your actions? I realize that I can't I don't I can't explain to you hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. Some of you grew up in homes where you didn't have baggage. So what the gospel has done in your life is 30-fold. There's people here, first hour, that this individual should have been dead. He was in a car crash. He was high on drugs. He should have been dead. But he was in church. And this happened years and years and years ago. He should not be here. He's probably a hundred-fold person. The temptation is moms, dads, students, as you've come to church and now you just click off and you walk out the doors. Let me say something to you. You sang, change my heart, oh God. Now you need to allow him to mold you. You need to allow the gospel to take hold of who you are as an individual. I don't know where your first missionary church is. Whatever the first church, the people that remember you when you were in middle school. Wherever those people are now, I don't know, wherever that is for you. I'm praying if they bump into you now, they would say, what happened to you? And you would just look them right in the eye and you would say this. I met a Savior and his name was Jesus Christ. And what you see is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life because he's radically changed my life. But the temptation will be, it's a lot easier just to stay where you are. It's a lot easier to look at your spouse or your neighbors or whoever and say, you know what, that message was for so-and-so. I sure hope they heard it. I hope you hear it first. And that that so-and-so that you're thinking about right now, they would come up to you in six months and say, what happened to you? Well, I let Jesus really get a hold of my life and the gospel allowed really to affect who I am. And what you see and demonstrate in my life is the fruits of the Spirit. And that's because Jesus has changed me from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know who you're speaking to. And it's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to sow the seed and encourage people 
to develop a heart of good soil where they're pulling out the weeds of the things of this world. And they say, okay, I want to hear you, Father. I want to hear your word. Father, you know who we've just sown seed on the path. You know who the rocky soil is. You know who the thorns are. And I pray, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would take them from whatever soil they are to the good soil. Father, those who are being tempted to move away from the good soil because life is hard and you're putting pressure on them to mold them, that you would give them perseverance. And Father, would you raise up more people like Will Swain that want to see you in the midst of the trial. It's not just asking for healing of an eye, but he's asking for spiritual strength in the midst of his physical pain. So change our heart, Father. Help us not to be a family that just sings about it. But help us to be a family that's overwhelmed by your reckless love for us. That we will never get over your willingness to send your son to die for the individual sitting in our seats for ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.